Becca and Millhaven, just saying. I'm Tom Becca. And I'm McGraw Millhaven. Those stories and more. And Andy Rooney. Next. You, you do the same thing every week. Come up with something new, something different, something fresh. Like that hairdo? What are you doing with that hair there, Pat Riley? <laughs> Uh, don't, don't, don't want to start on the hair. I'm did, just like, did so, you lose a bet or something? I, yeah, I must have. I must have. I don't know what happened. I don't know if my hairstylist was hung over. I don't know what the deal was. I, I, I don't know. But yeah, it's, I know do, it's messed up. Do you know what you thank look God, like? Thank God you look audio only podcast and they can't see any of this. So well, let me just describe to people what you look like. You look like the guy, um, the guy from Community Chess on Monopoly. <laughs> oh. You know that guy with the slick back hair and the big old hat? That's what you look like. Yeah, well, you look like oh shit! What what was the? Uh... Why? I mean, your 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 hair is all nicely slicked back like Pat Riley, and your your chin is like a homeless man. It's a weird look you got. <laughs> By the beard on my chin is yeah. Yeah. Anyway, night. Good seeing you too, McGraw. Nice to chat with you, Tom. Our weekly meeting. Just yes, saying. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so uh, but there was big news in the Millhaven household this week, huh? Yeah, the news is that I sold the Millhaven household. You, you, you sold your house. I, I, tell this right now. You know, I do real estate. Also, I'm, I'm also doing real estate on the side. First of all, people that are maybe new to this podcast, or don't know who I am, or don't know who you are. Basically, I do uh, commentary every night during the Fox 42 News at nine on KPTM TV. Also available at fox42kptm.com. And McGraw, you? I uh, host a morning show in uh, St. Louis on the Big 550 KTRS. So basically, we're both two longtime friends who have been in uh, the uh, talk business for a long time, and we decided to do a podcast together. Okay, so that's it. And, and, uh, but I'm, as I mentioned, is that I also do some real estate on the side. I do some real estate on the side. So the stories that you've been telling me about the trials and tribulations of you selling your house, uh, I find rather, uh, rather amusing. Well, I'm glad you do, because it's quite annoying trying to buy. Well, first of all, getting a house ready for sale is a nightmare. Once the house is all fixed up and somebody comes in and stages it, you're like, wow, this is a nice house. I should probably live here. I'd like to buy this house. And you're like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. I already own it. Um, so I put it on the market. And uh, seven days later, I got a not to, you know, I got a full price offer. And I think, you know, I, I undersold it. And yet they gave me exactly what I was asking for. Well, and you think you undersold it because what happened was, okay, so you get an offer right away. And then like, after like you've got the offer, you haven't accepted it yet, but then another house, another family wants to take a look at it. Right. Oh, another, well, not only, not only does another, somebody else has to look at it right this second, then you have somebody else who looked at it, who loves it. They'll get back to you. You have somebody else who can you get out of the house now? Because I got a guy who has to buy and he loves it. And, is, is $800,000 uh, uh, in the ballpark? You betcha it's in the ballpark. You know, and I mean, you just, you go from one to the other to the other and, you know, you have the one offer, you know, hanging out there. And it's, it, it's, like, it's like you bring a girl to the dance, but you're making googly eyes at some other girl, right? And, you, and someone's like, well, you have a girl who wants to dance with you. No, but I have another girl over here who kind of might like me. I mean, it's, it's, it's just like dating. <laughs> I think I think you might have just explained why both you and I are single. <laughs> so I sold the house, and you know, and then the, then the people are like, well, why why are you selling it? Well, I want to take advantage of the market. Well, why don't you sell it like a year from now? Because I'm I'm going to have a house built, and it's going to take about a year 
to build a house. And so I had to go rent an apartment. So now I'm moving from a house to an apartment with an infant and a, and a dog. And why don't you just stay in the house? Like, well, because I don't know what the market's going to do in six months. Right. I don't know. I mean, is it going to still be as hot? And everyone's, oh, I, it's going to be hot. And I'm like, e everyone's an expert. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just it. People, <coughs> people ask me, they say, uh, hey, so what are houses, the price of houses going to go down? You know what? If I knew that, I'd be a rich man. No, you I know? wouldn't yeah. be wouldn't yeah. be telling you. That's yeah, really. If I do that, I wouldn't be telling you. I'd be, I'd be waiting to buy your house. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's 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 it. I mean, and you don't know. And in the meantime, like I said, you got you know, you're building a house, so you've already got something else in line. Right. But you haven't even started with the hassles of building. All the stories you're going to hear about, we're going to hear about you building as you're waiting on supplies and laborers and everything. Oh, it's well. I mean, I've sort of budgeted a year. Right. I mean, when it's all said and done. So, I, you know, I don't know what else to do. Um, you know, it's it's in a part of town I like. It's in a part of town I want. Um, so, you know, I bought I bought I bit the bullet, took the money off the other table. Lip, I'm going to live cheaper. So save some money in the process. Now, you know, in a year from now, what are interest rates going to be? Five and a half, six. I don't know. Um, so you just sort of grip me, you know, maybe you'll be living in, in this apartment for the next five years. First house I bought interest was at six and a half percent. I know. And people told me what a great deal I was getting. I got it. I that, that house at 5801 Mason over there by, uh, Exarbon. One, yeah. you know, two blocks away from, uh, Warren I'm, sure the, I'm sure the people, I'm sure the people that live there now love the fact you gave out the address. Well, it was uh, two blocks from my neighbor, uh, Warren. You might know him as Mr. Buffett. I, I, we all called him Warren. I call him Wars. Like Buffs, what's up? Um, that house was a five-year arm at six and a half percent. Yeah. And, and somebody told me I was stealing money. Yeah. And now yeah. it's like six and a half percent mortgage? My God. I, I know. What are they, crazy? Well, this house, this house I had 2.75%. Think about that for a second. Yeah, and I'm and I'm selling it. So you know who knows? Who knows? You know, you mentioned though. You mentioned Warren Buffett, who lives here in Omaha. My name. And it's funny. And it's funny because you lived. You you had a house about two blocks, two blocks from Warren's house. I, I live a little bit further than him, but I'm still within walking distance of his house, right? Yeah, yeah. And that you tell people that you're in like within walking distance of Warren Buffett's house, and they just assume that you are like in some really, you know, hoity-toity fancy neighborhood. And uh, you're really not. There's some very well, nice houses in the block or two that he lives in. But a few blocks uh, away from there, it's just everyday average, average houses. Um, I live in the carriage house of Warren Buffett's house. <laughs> well, you did, did you? Well, no, I mean, it was like, you know, it was, it was yeah. like a carriage. It was like a little yeah. tiny little starter home. Yeah. I thought you meant like it was still on this property. Like oh, no, 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 no. No, but that's just it. But you say, oh, yeah, I, I live near Warren Buffett, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he must be doing really well. I live, over by I live over by the third richest man in the world. I think he's down to five now, I think. I saw the list. He's down to five. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of that, do you know, did you see where um, uh, the guy who just took over Twitter, what's his name, uh, Elon Musk? Elon Musk, yeah. He's like worth $200 billion or some insane number. It's like $150 billion the guy's worth. That's you know bonkers at what point is enough enough and that's uh, that's that's a question i mean I, look i don't i don't say that anybody can't make as much money as they want to make because i don't think that's i don't think there should be limits on that but what drives a person to get to that point i'll tell you right now i bought a powerball ticket 
I think it's like $300 million right now today. If I win tonight, that's the end of this podcast. If I win tonight, you know, I'm quitting, man. I've, you'll find me on a beach somewhere drinking, you know, uh, rum drinks out of a pineapple. I mean, well, I, I can't imagine all, what, what drives somebody to keep on the more on and more and more like that. Hold on. First of all, Elon Musk doesn't have $150 billion sitting in his bank account. It's it's what's the value of his holdings. I'm aware of that, but how much is enough? I mean, how well, much so, do you need? Well, what he's doing is what he loves to do. I mean, you would really quit this podcast and get out of my hair once and for all and sit on a beach somewhere? Again, I mean, I might. How much money is, is that going to take for you to do that? Because I'll <laughs> I'll start passing the hat. We should set up a Patreon account. How much money to stop Tom from doing this podcast? <laughs> Oh, you bring up a point. That's a valid point. I mean, you still got the Rolling Stones are out there doing it. McCartney's still out there doing it. You know. I mean, the bigger question is, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? And then the other I, question I, is, and then I'd buy the a nicer best, house closer to Warren. <laughs> then, the, but but the real question is, um, you know, it, the the question you should ask yourself in this world is. What would you do if you won the lottery and then do it regardless of winning the lottery? In all honesty, I mean, if I, if I actually won, this is a, a, a question, you know, that everybody asks, right? I really would hope, I would hope that this is what I would do, is that I would grow and I would, I would put the majority of it into some form of a foundation, a charitable foundation. And I would, uh, I mean, I keep a few million for myself. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I, I would also, I would also go and I would, I would probably just blow some of it on some of the most weird, extravagant things, you know, I'll be like, Ooh, I, I can buy, I can buy, uh, I don't know what, uh, <laughs> you know, all oh, the beret that Patty Hearst wore in, uh, when she was uh, kidnapped. Yeah. I'll, I'll wear that. I'll, I'll buy that. How much? 300 million? Oh, sure. Whatever. You know, I'll buy some, I'll buy something like really weird. You know, like that, just to say I have it. I probably would do something like that. But I'd like to think that I would spend most of the money in like in a foundation for charity. I would give it, I would give it to foundations where, and I would give them enough so they put my name on the building. Because I'm like, I'm an egomaniac because, like that. Because you'd be wearing Patty Hearst tiara. Yeah, we a beret. Yeah. Beret. Remember that? When she was with the Simonese Liberation Army? You're a little older than me. I, I do remember that. But yeah. Um, so you, you'd want to help children and waste your money all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know I, what I would I'd do? Want to help children. I'd want to help children as long as my name could be attached to it in some way so that, my, you know, so that my ego would be satisfied. You know what I would do if I won the lottery tonight? First thing I would do is I'd go out and hire you a real hairstylist. <laughs> look, look you, you Steve Bannon-looking son of a bitch, don't go talking to me like this. <laughs> But I mean, uh, I, I, Elon Musk buys Twitter, right? And what does he want to do with it? He wants to sit on the board, then he doesn't want to sit on the board. And then Twitter, we find out, do you see this story? Half of Twitter's posts are fake. Yeah. Yeah. Half of them are fake. Yeah. And, and while we're on the subject, can I bring this up, which just gnaws at my craw? So just, that's a mixed metaphor. Just chaps what my, my craw chaps my craw, whatever. <laughs> um, so you, you saw this story 
about the guy who in the subway station in, in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, he, he posted these violent videos last week, right, on YouTube or whatever mm -hmm. else. So have you ever tried to post something on YouTube that has copyrighted music? Yeah. They won't let you do it. Right. They stop it. Sorry, you can't post this. This is copyrighted music. So they can stop the copyrighted music infringement, but they can't stop psychos from posting death messages and death videos on their on their webpage. Um. Yeah, well, the, the, that is the whole thing about free speech. What is free speech? You know, and that's. Uh, I mean, I know it's uh, it's a. Uh, I mean, could you could you imagine if your television station or my radio station aired some guy's death manifesto? Right. The New York Times went went to great lengths and went to the greatest ethics professors to debate whether or not they should post Ted Kaczynski's manifesto. Right. Um, and they ultimately caught the guy. You could do that every single day on Facebook. It's well, just ridiculous where we are. The other thing about it is, is that it's inconsistent. It's inconsistent because I know of a photographer here in town, right? Evidently, somebody on Facebook said something to the effect of like, you know, uh, you know, tell me without telling me what you do for a living. And so this guy writes, I shoot people. Within a minute, he gets a notice from Facebook saying that his post does not meet their standards. Okay, now, granted, I mean, I can see where Facebook, not knowing the nuance of being a photographer and the type of shooting he was talking about, but Facebook can stop that. So why don't they stop all this other stuff? Or, I don't or, know. Or, or, I or don't know. Yet, or better yet, why? Or maybe they did and it just wasn't caught. Why don't people that see this video contact the authorities and say, hey, you know this, uh, this guy here? You might want to look into him. He, he seems a bit nuts. Yeah, I don't. Because half the people watching it agree with him. And they, yeah. and they want to follow the guy. The, the world's gone mad. Oh, the world's got star craving mad. And, and speaking and speaking about uh, the uh, the copyrighted music, did you hear? And I forget what town it was in, what what city it was in, but what police officers were doing. Oh, my alarm was off my phone. Uh, what uh, what uh, the police officers in this one town were doing is like when they pull somebody over, they would start blaring like music various songs top top 40 popular music why because if there was somebody on the street recording them with their camera with their cell phone facebook twitter youtube would take those videos down because of the copyrighted music oh wow yeah so yeah so like the the city is working on this to say hey no you you can't do that but yeah these and these were by the way if any police officers are listening I don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Just just don't act in such a way that uh, <laughs> would make people want to record you in the first place. So who knew that police officers would want to blast Spandau Ballet from their police cruiser? <laughs> Where did you come up with Spandau Ballet for a reference? Well, I don't know. Who doesn't love Spandau Ballet? Do they have another song out besides True? <laughs> I mean, that's what police officers are. They're true. Uh, that song is fantastic. I got that. I I got that on repeat on my on my on my record player. I don't doubt that on your record player. <laughs> on my eight track. 
Oh, dear God, you are older than me. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I, I don't know even why I want to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it regardless. I just remember one time, what I was a, you were living up here in Omaha. It was a hot, hot summer day, and we were driving somewhere. And to get from point A to point B, we had to drive through a, a rather, a rather, I don't know, it wasn't like a dangerous part of town, but it was sort of a seedy part of town. It was not necessarily a place you'd want to be walking at night, you know? It was not where, it was not past Warren Buffett's house. No, it was not in Warren Buffett's neighborhood. Uh, we're driving through that part of town. And I just remember, like, you just driving. You were, you were, you had control of the radio because it was your house, your, your car, rather, and you're driving and you cranked up the Partridge family singing, I think I love you. And for some reason, that just that has stuck with my mind and how you were trying to, I guess, I don't know, just make people stay away from the car. I don't know what you were trying to accomplish with that. Do you know how some people drive through neighborhoods and they crank the, the tunes of their favorite song? Mm-hmm. That's all I was doing. You do have weird taste in music. Who doesn't love? Who, by the way, I also have the Partridge Family Best of on the on my new album. Have well, I, my new controller. I interviewed David Cassidy once, and I told him I said, uh, "I got to be honest with you. I said uh, my sister loved your music, but I when I was in school, I when I was I, I just I couldn't handle. I couldn't take your music." And he said to me, eh, "Don't feel bad. I couldn't take it either." <laughs> No, man, Partridge Family was rock solid, man. Partridge Family was great. And you know what made Partridge Family? Danny Bonaducci. That little mischief, you know, teenager, redheaded kid. That was just funny. I wonder what he's doing now. He, he was, he was, he like, was in radio for a while. He was in radio and then the tabloids. He had some reality TV shows and stuff. Uh, but, um, but, uh, you know, okay. So you mentioned the Partridge Family. And I'll admit, now that we got this earworm going, people listening are, Having the song you, in their head the whole time. You mentioned it. Yeah. I'll admit that there are some there are some uh, groups like the Partridge Family. Another one would be ABBA. Groups that I just I was too cool for, like in high school, too cool. Oh yeah, for, yeah. Right. But now I listen to them and they're they're pretty catchy. They're pretty cool. Like Spandau Ballet. I I don't I don't I don't disagree with you. I, I like Spandau Ballet. You know you like you like whatever music the girl you're dating likes. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, that music is music. That's why that scene from from Tommy Boy is so good when they're singing that Helen Reddy song and they're driving down the street. Right. They don't want to like it because they're with their buddy, but they like it. <laughs> you 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 like different music when you're alone than when you're with your buddy. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. No, you're right. You're right. And and you do want to actually, you know, act, act rather cool about your musical tastes. But everybody's got everybody's got some guilty pleasure that they like i mean what man doesn't like aretha franklin's you make me feel like a natural woman what man hasn't sung along to it at one point or another that's what i'm talking about and you don't do it in public yeah no you do well, it in your car at least well you do it to a seat I, I, part 90% of, of the population doesn't sing it in public <laughs> uh, oh geez i'll tell you this oh by the way by the way i don't think we promoted this we we've actually We've, uh, it's in the early stages, but we've got a website up, uh, BeccaandMillhaven.com, B-E-C-K-A and M-I-L-H-A-V-E-N.com. You can email us. I'm starting to get some message uh, messages from people that are, that, are really? actually, that are actually liking this podcast. Wow. Yeah, who knew? So we, we must be big in the insane asylum then. 
Uh, yeah, who's um, listening? I mean, yeah, people like this stuff. Huh? So I, I think I deserve a little credit this week. Because okay. when, right. when the National League first started floating the idea that uh, they were going to bring the designated hitter to the National League, I, I wish I would have kept it. But I wrote such a beautiful letter. And I don't write letters. I don't write letters. I don't threaten boycotts. I, I, just, I just don't. I just, you know, I just, if I go to a bad restaurant and, and, I, and I don't like the meal, I just stop going to the restaurant, right? Um, if I don't like a movie, I don't write the author saying, you know, it was a terrible screenplay. I just. Yeah. So when I found out that baseball was going to go to the designated hitter in the National League, I've been a lifelong baseball fan. I spent, I can't tell you how much hours I've spent watching baseball, going to games, watching on TV, playing baseball, buying baseball cards and hats and shirts and mugs and pennants. And when they decided, I wrote them a letter. And it was beautiful. I said, look, I, I've been a lifelong fan. I said, but this is a bridge too far. Count me out. I am done the minute the National League goes to the designated hitter. I will be boycotting all of baseball. Good day, sir. Right? And I sent it off. Well, lo and behold, a few years later, now the designated hitter is in the National League. And I would like a little congratulations for my boycott of the National League and their gross tactics of bringing the designated hitter to the National League. Yeah, because what was it, like, like three games into the season before you went to your first Cardinals game? It was game two of oh, the okay. season. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting down with my soda and my hot dog, my peanuts, and I said, I showed them. <laughs> I showed them. They know. Next time, don't cross me, Major League Baseball. Well, I want to take credit for this. And actually, I, I will take credit for this. So when um, the Major League players were locked out and it looked like they were at an impasse and they weren't going to get the season started, yeah, you know, as you well know, I'm a Cleveland uh, Guardians fan now. Yes. I was a Cleveland Indians fan. Now I'm a Cleveland Guardians fan. Um, and so when the center was locked out, I just put out a tweet to Major League Baseball saying, you know, First, you change the name of my team, and now you're not going to be playing. I'm through with you guys. Two days later, the lockout was over. Oh. Yeah, two days that. later, the lockout was over. So, okay, I'm back on the bandwagon. Yeah. Okay. No. But, uh, but yeah, but you had, you, somebody you didn't have to know how to talk to these people. But you, you have to. I mean, you have to threaten. You have to threaten boycott. They knew, and, that you uh, would buckle. they knew that you would buckle, but when I threw out the fact that they changed the name of my team, they knew I was serious. They knew, they knew that they could not put up with a boycott any longer. I brought them to their knees. And then, by the way, in the second inning of the first game back, the second game of the season, I caught a foul ball and all was forgiven. <laughs> Isn't it funny how something like that can make you a kid again? Oh, my God. I, I, outside of going to a World Series game and maybe a couple of – that catching a fly ball on the fly with your hands, not ricocheted, not off somebody's beer or shoulder. That was one of the most fun things I've ever done in a ballpark. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I minus, minus Liz Mulholland circa 1987. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Liz's lawyers will be in touch now. Uh... <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you played college baseball. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, you, you pitched for the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Oh, yes, I did. 
And uh, I would imagine. But no, catching a fly ball and getting a, ball, a foul ball in a baseball stadium, I don't, it's, there's just nothing fun. You're watching the game, and two seconds later, the ball they're playing is in your hands. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Did, I, did the crowd go wild? Did, they, did you? Um, yeah, the crowd gave me a oh. uh, this, this might be hard to believe, but I may have hammed it up a little bit. Um, I, <laughs> I, I didn't just sit down and, um, you know, no, I sort of played it up. I might, I may or may not have played it up a little bit. Did, did your hamminess make it to the local news that night? No, oddly enough. I oh, think I was like bad. Ferris Bueller where they, they cut off the feed right before they, they came to me. I didn't want my boss to know I was playing hooky. Okay, so speaking of which, speaking of which, um, last night, history is made in Major League Baseball. The first female coach was on the field. Uh, you saw this, right? The San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Uh, the, the first base coach got kicked out of the game. So the woman that wound up replacing that coach you know, well, was yeah, was a woman, uh, <laughs> uh, and I, the first time in, in major league history. Now, Eric Hosmer, who was playing first base, uh, former Omaha Storm chaser, Kansas City Royal, Eric Hosmer, uh, playing first base, shook her hand and everything. Now, this is a thing I was wondering: if that first major league baseball coach that was a woman was a transgendered woman. Would that be okay or not okay with the people that are all upset about like transgender athletes? Well, you're you're opening up a can of worms. First, first of all, do we know she's not transgender? Um, I would assume that if she was, that would have been the headline in the story. I mean, can she sing "You Feel Like a Natural Woman" and mean it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, as opposed, to, as opposed to singing "You Made Me Feel Like a National Woman" and then doing something about it. <laughs> Uh, it's a great it's a great question. Uh, I'm really conflicted in this whole transgender sports thing. Um, first of all, I, if it would it would if it would have gotten me to the major leagues, I would have changed my sex. Let's just put it that way. That's how much I wanted to be a major leaguer. Um, but in all seriousness, I know the right answer or the politically correct answer is allow these people to be a transgender in their sport, right? But you, you can't deny that a man who becomes a woman still has male attributes and males are physically stronger and have an advantage over women. So you put a person who used to be a man, now a woman, in a competition with a woman, it's kind of an unfair advantage. It pays me to say this, but I agree with you. I mean, I, but I don't know the answer. You right. know, it's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, so... What do you do about it? You know, I mean, right, I, really, mean I mean, look, look, all right. Look, I am the least, one of the least athletic people you ever want to meet. That's okay. True. So, so, I mean, people that had athletic ability had an unfair advantage of, uh, over me in gym class. Right. You know, I mean, the, the football players and the baseball players and the track uh, guys all had an unfair advantage over me in gym class. We all are the same gender. So there's always going to be people that have an advantage or a disadvantage. I guess the only difference here being is that the advantage here is surgically induced. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's a tough, it's a tough call, but I also wonder, do we put too much emphasis on this for in effect, really one or two people? I mean, how many, how many transgendered women are there that are in athletics? 
Well, you ha- I, I don't know, but you know, if Michael Phelps wants to become a woman and then, and then race in the Olympics as a woman, right? I mean, that's kind of unfair, I, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of this. I mean, you certainly want to be respectful of the transgender person. And I certainly, I, I feel for them and, and, you know, hate the fact that they have to put up with all this bullshit and, and uh, discrimination and, and bullying. And it's terrible. But at some point, what about the person who's racing against the person? What, you know, how, how do they, what do you tell them? I'm sorry you lost. Well, I lost because the, the person I lost to used to be a man. You know, what, what gets me are the people that think that somebody would change their gender. I know, although I know you joked about it, the, you know, that said you would change if it got you into major league sports. But in reality, the people that say that, oh, these people, like, they change their gender just because they want to be an athlete. Or, I mean, that's, that's I know. Cool. It's ridiculous. I can't imagine what somebody goes through to have to go through a gender reassignment surgery. I, I have two friends who've had children that have done that. Or, you know, I mean, they're adults now, but, you know, that, that have done that. And, and I can't imagine what they went through. And I know it's a tough thing for the, 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 the family and parents and for all concerned and people that just, you know, sort of like cavalierly think that uh, they did it for, um, uh, you know, just so they could compete in a swim meet. Uh, I, I find that hard to find that hard. To or, or, or their fifth grade teacher talked them into it. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I get it. I, I, I get it. But, but again, I, I, with the whole athletic side of it, um, I, I don't know. And then the, you know, I don't know. I, it's, it's a, it's a tricky situation and, and I hate, I, I know I'm not supposed to think that way and it's not politically correct, but that's the way I think. And no one's been able to rational. answer it. I think, I think, I think it's a rational concern. I think you're handling it in a, in a, uh, in a respectful way. You know, I mean, you can have, you don't have to just go along to get along. I mean, you can just don't be disrespectful about it. That's, uh, right. that's my, that's my, I, uh, I mean, yeah, no, I've, I've heard like other I've heard tennis players say the speed and the power of Venus Williams, I just can't deal with. Right. I mean, but she's a woman. She's been a woman. She always is a woman. She's just bigger, stronger and faster and better than all the other tennis players. Um, You know, if she were to play, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, pick a, pick a male tennis player who, you know, has a sex change operation. I don't know how fair that is. You know, you bring this up real quick. We're running out of time, but I want to bring this up. What do you think about uh, Florida Governor DeSantis starting a war with Disney? I mean, this whole thing is, uh, you're right. I mean, the whole, the whole quote unquote, don't say gay. I don't understand that, Bill. Yeah. I don't know. They're not allowed to say gay. Aren't these the people who, who said, don't, don't make me wear a mask because it's unconstitutional. Now they now they want to pass a law that people aren't allowed to say gay. Yeah. Also the same people that are always concerned about cancel culture. And there they are trying to cancel something. Right. Um, but but um, the, the point I'm making with this is that, again, if you just had a little common sense, a little decency, you know I mean, kindergartners, the third graders, they don't need to be talking all about all the you know, gender reassignment surgery and stuff like that. But if some kid comes in the classroom and has two mommies or two daddies, you know, you can't just ignore that. Right. I mean, it just it just seems a little common sense, a little human decency. You don't need legislation like this. Why bring, why have common decency when there are votes to be had? Kind of yeah, eager, you know? an outrage on social media. Right. Yeah. And, and so the Russian bots can sort of divide us all. On Twitter. What kind of what podcast you know, Musk, Now we're full circle again. All right. Do you have, uh, do you have a sponsor for Over Under? 
Uh, yeah, we'd like to sponsor uh, today's Over Under, brought to you in part in Omaha. But you know, Omaha, stop by the Dundee Dell. The Dundee Dell is uh, back uh, with a wonderful whiskey selection, but also their famous fish and chips. It's a nice little bar in the heart of Dundee, not too far from Warren Buffett's house, actually. And uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, the Dundee Dell, uh, good people there. And uh, before we do the Over and Under, Noah, can I just pay uh, a little respect to uh, Gilbert Gottfried? Gilbert Gottfried, who passed away, who... Did you know him? Did you work with him? I didn't work with him, but I worked with comics who did when I was doing stand-up. And, and uh, he was actually a very, uh, very shy, quiet, insecure guy off the... the uh, I forget who it was. One comic told me about another comic back in Gilbert's single days who took Gilbert to his first strip club. And Gilbert, Gilbert became enamored with strip clubs for a while there. But then uh, he wound up um, marrying a very nice woman, raising a family. And there's a documentary about him on uh, some of the streaming services. Uh, and it's very interesting because where he was an outrageous, you know, filthy, pushing the limit comedian on stage, uh, off stage, he was just a uh, kind of a timid old Jewish guy. And uh, very, very, you know, but very funny man. And uh, uh, he passed away uh, uh, this past week. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know him very well. That voice kind of scared me. Um, and he was a little too blue for me, I guess. Um, you know, he was one of those comedians where people I didn't like thought he was funny. So I automatically didn't like him because I didn't like the people who liked him. <laughs> Does that make any sense? You know, sad to say, it does make sense. And I, oh, 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 oh you. Go, oh, matter of fact, somebody said that uh, on one of we have a governor's race coming up here, and I, I endorsed one of our, our, our the candidates. And somebody on social media said, "Well, if Becca likes him, I'm not going to vote for him." And I, I, just, I wrote back to the guy. I said, "Well, you know, I'm sure that if you and I got together, we would both find things that we both agree on." You know, I mean, I support the military. I know that you support the military. I could tell from his you know, profile. I said, you know, so if we won't support the military, does that mean that you won't now because I do? It's a stupid thing, but I thoroughly understand where you're coming from. If somebody you don't like, like something, you're not going to give it a fair shot. Yeah. So there you go. Um, okay. All right. Um, so by, by the way, that, that Dell, that, that commercial about the Dell, is that the old Dell, the new old Dell or the new, new Dell? It's the new, new Dell. It's uh, reopened now. It's finally reopened under new ownership. Where Where's the new New Dell? It's at 50th and Underwood. The old location. Underwood. Yeah, yeah, Underwood in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. In, in the, the new old neighborhood. In the new old location. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, uh, what's your uh, what's your over under for this week? Okay, my over is um, the most overhyped story of the week. Nothing. It's a slow news week. There's nothing. There's nothing going on. There's no. There's no news anywhere. I I had a stretch to find my over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just stretch because you're right. It was a very slow news week, at least very slow news week for insignificant stories that got blown out of proportion. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Russia Ukraine story is still ongoing, but that's sort of hit a, that's sort of a stalemate. Um, you know, everyone hates Biden. That's, you know, gas prices, inflation. Um, I mean, it's just, everybody wants to get, it's a very holy week. People just want to get to the three day weekend. The, uh, the over story that I had was the story about, the bird pooping on the president. 
And, and now that it was overly reported, but the fact that it was reported at all, you know, just like I, I thought actually, that was an I thought that was a onion story. I didn't know that was a real story. No, no. When he was in Iowa uh, this past week, when he was in Iowa, there was a bird and a bird shit out of his uh, suit coat. Now, as an American, I find it funny when a bird would shit on any president. I think it's just sort of your patriotic duty to, you know, it'd be funnier if a bird shit on Putin. But it's very funny if a bird shoots on the, shits on the president. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really need to be, be all that reported. You know, it's just like when, like when um, uh, President Bush, you know, barfed at the Japanese summit or uh, when George W. Bush, like couldn't get out there was a, yeah locked out, out. yeah 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 and things like that things like that are funny we like to see we like to see our our leaders sometimes you know brought down to life well or when when gerald ford fell down the steps right and he was sort of portrayed as a as a you know as a as a you know sort of two left feet the guy was a football player at michigan the guy was a great athlete yeah yeah, yeah. but he made chevy chase's career right no that that's exactly right all right what's your under I under is the progress that's being made by the January 6th commission. Hmm. I, I, I don't know that enough people are even paying attention to this. Maybe they're tired of it. I don't know. It just seems to me that little by little, more information is coming out, whether it be the story about Donald Trump Jr. texting uh, uh, Mark Meadows about, uh, you know, o- overturning the election before the Electoral College had finished counting all the votes, but they already knew they had lost the election. So they're looking at ways to overturn it. Things like that, or, or uh, you know, the fact that Rudy Giuliani has uh, turned in some information, or, or that, or that um, uh, Ivanka and uh, Jared voluntarily met with January sixth. I mean, there's there's some stuff going on here, and and I just think that people need to be paying attention to what's happening with the January sixth commission. Obviously, wait till the final report comes out and see what's going on. But you know, this is an important thing. This is not just politics. This is about the future of democracy in our country. And I think it's very important to uh, be paying attention to see what they find or, or what they don't find. Well, you know, what's interesting is um, I, I didn't know her very well, Liz Cheney, right? But I think you've got to, you know, there is a, there is a part of the newest edition of Profiles in Courage for, for Liz Cheney for taking the slings and arrows of her own party and standing up and saying what was done was wrong and we are a democracy and a rule of law and I'm going to get to the bottom of this and I don't care what it costs me. I, I, hats off to her. And Adam Kinzinger at the same time. I'll give him, yeah. give him the props too. Give him the props too. And, and also to Mitt Romney. To Mitt Romney, who voted for uh, Judge uh, Jackson, uh, Justice Jackson now, voted for her and at the same time was the only Republican senator that stood up and applauded her after the vote was tabulated. I, I just think it was Bush League, the way those Republican senators just walked out. You know, I mean, we, we were talking about sports for most of this podcast. Yeah, you can lose a hard-fought game, but after the game is over, you shake hands, say good game, and you get ready for the next one. And the fact that they can't do that in politics anymore, I know it's always been a hard-fought game, but it seems there used to be some sportsmanship. The fact they don't do that anymore, it, it just really bothers me. That, well, and the fact the America that... I want to live. Yeah, and the fact that you know what—forget your your political affiliation. Putting a black woman on the Supreme Court is kind of cool and kind of historic, right? If it were Condoleezza Rice, or you know, I don't know if she's she's a lawyer, but if it would have been a black conservative, it would have been just as cool to see a black woman after two hundred and fifty years get on the Supreme Court. Kind of cool. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. By the who way, wasn't. 
who was deemed three three fifths of a person when the Constitution was written, now sitting on the Supreme Court, is kind of cool. And by the way, when the Constitution was written, we were all, the whole idea was to form a more perfect union. It wasn't to say we were perfect. It says we're going to be getting better. We got to get better. And this was just a step of us moving forward and getting better. And I, I, you're right. I agree with you. I think, I think it was an important message that was sent. And I don't care who it was, uh, you know, to have a, a qualified black woman like that overcome all that she had to overcome to be able to uh, become a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. And, and, and the Republicans that didn't, stand and applaud her and at least say nice job we'll get you next time you know it just it just bush league all right that's your over that's your under yeah here's my under so there's been a lot of books uh about the trump world right a lot of salacious stories coming out but there's a book coming out that i don't think has gotten any attention the book is written by fiona hill who is a cia analyst and the book is called There's Nothing, uh, There's Nothing For You Here. And it doesn't sound very interesting, but the New York Times did a long story about her, Fiona Hill. She's a woman who was born in Great Britain, moved to America, has become an American citizen. She's dedicated her life to studying Vladimir Putin. And in this book, in this article, I, I can't wait to get my hands on the book. She talks about how, and this is just one analyst. So, you know, who knows if she's right and who knows, you know, how history would have turned out if people would have followed what she said. But she was in the room with George W. Bush uh, trying to educate him on Putin and don't rattle his cage, right? Don't throw NATO in his face. Uh, Bush said, great, thanks. And then did everything they could to get, you know, Hungary and everybody else into NATO went to Obama and said, don't poke the bear. Obama goes out and pokes the bear, the exact opposite, right? She goes and tells Trump, Trump, don't do this and this and this. And Trump does the exact opposite. So to hear a CIA analyst who's dedicated her life to understanding Russia and Putin, to be in the room and hear her give the advice to these presidents and and these presidents, the last three of them not taking the advice her argument is that this Ukraine story hasn't developed over the last six months. It's developed over the last 15 years. And it was a really riveting article because it goes, I mean, it's long, but it goes into the expansion of NATO and Putin and his ego. And uh, I can't wait to get my hands on the book. And I think that is a much bigger story and didn't get any attention this week. Now, now, but, but wait a second, when you said that Trump didn't listen to her, but actually what Trump did, he tried to dismantle NATO, didn't he? I mean, so. Oh, well, he ended up firing her. He ended up firing her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No. But I mean, it was talk about. It was like Ukraine. uh, You know, he he has he has intentions for Ukraine. Here's what we need to do. And instead, Trump holds back. You know, the money for uh, military equipment. You know, Trump Trump turns him into a a clown show. Right. We spend a year and a half uh, jerking around Ukraine when they could have been getting ready to defend themselves against an invasion of Russia. Instead. You know, he wants him to investigate Hunter Biden, which, for, you know, I mean, he wants Ukraine to, to investigate an American citizen for his own benefit. Yeah. So, I mean, it, but but it was interesting in that she also had criticism about Obama and she also had criticism towards Bush. Um, and again, this is one person's you know opinion. She was an advisor. Nobody elected her. Nobody knows if she was right. But it was just an interesting take from somebody 
who has studied this man forever. And Bush, Obama, Trump, Becca, Milhaven, everybody listening here hasn't studied Putin as a job, right, as their career. And so she being the expert, I find it particularly interesting what she had to say. I'll be looking forward to that book. We uh, we went, we, we started this thing saying it'd be about a half hour. It's, we're going way too long. We're going way too long. But anyway, it was fun. I was not talking to you today. You know what? It's as long as your hair. I do need a haircut, but don't get me started. What the hair again, man? This is, I know. It's, oh, well. I don't, I don't. I don't mind the hair so much. It's the chin, the chin. What have you got? Oh, the goatee thing? There? Yeah, it's just a little ragged. I mean, little you look like a homeless Santa Claus. Ho, ho, ho to yourself. Anyway, have a great day. Be well. Hey, if you're uh, still listening to all this, uh, tell your friends about it. Okay, spread the word. Uh, We're here every Thursday with a brand new podcast. A Huda Media Production.